1: Six foot six above sea level. I grab my mic because I
0: like to take it to another mental level. Low power frequency, radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound community. Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair. And we are joined today by Kajah Abba who has been named Wisconsin's Journalist of the Year by the Wisconsin Journalism Education Association. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Ali. It's nice to see you. Thank you so much for for joining us on the air today on WORT. You've been talking about this recognition a lot. Um, You are, you know, a, a pretty young Journalist of the Year. What is the, the story or the work that you have done and reported on uh, that made you eligible for this award? Why did, why did folks want to uplift who you are as a journalist in our community? So um, I've been a
1: journalist now for seven years and counting. Um, I joined the Simpson Street Free Press, which is a local student-run newspaper on the South Side um, when I was in fifth grade. And I never expected join I I barely knew about what it was before my younger sister actually joined and you know since then I've just I've grown through the organization Um, I've become a lot more in tune with other journalism opportunities throughout the city Um, and in taking those opportunities and also at Simpson Street, being promoted to a teen editor and being able to work with younger students, I realized that, you know, journalism might just be in the cards for me in the future. <laughs> and, Maybe. <laughs> and, um, you know, um, in in this award, I was um, told about it through um, our yearbookslash slash TV slash journalism everything teacher April Van Buren at East um, and I was rushing to put together a portfolio of all of the work that I've done uh, in the past seven years and it just happened to be the one that was chosen.
0: It just happened to be the one? I think like you've got nearly a decade in the, the world of journalism uh, and you're in high school. Uh, shout out to to Simpson Street Free Press for helping you get your start. What is it meant to you to work for Simpson Street Free Press? How did they uh, give you the skills that you needed to, you know, be recognized this in this way as a journalist? Yeah,
1: I mean, right off the bat, um when I joined in fifth grade, um, I knew that I wasn't terrible at writing, but I knew that there were definitely ways that that I could improve. Um, I was a very, wordy and rambly writer, kind of like the way that I talk. And so, um, you know, I just learned to be a more concise, more um, poised, more poignant writer um, in my work at Simpson Street. But one thing that excited me the most and that really kept me going back there was the fact that I had the platform to talk about the things that I wanted to and to learn about the things that I wanted to that I didn't have the opportunity to learn um, in school or that I didn't feel like were be really being highlighted um, in what we were learning at school. So I loved, 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 loved being able to write about black history, about um, at the time I was really interested in healthcare, care, um, things like that, that. You know, I just felt we're kind of lacking in my education at school.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for for speaking to what, you know, Simpson Street does and the difference between kind of the newsroom at Simpson Street. And it's very much kind of an old school newsroom um, that has you know, a real sense of folks kind of hustling and bustling to create the news and, and get together and publish this wonderful paper, um, and the difference between that and and what you get out of a classroom. You are are going to East High School. You are, you know, being, being recognized as a, a journalist. I'm sure there are a lot of folks who are wondering, you know, what you want to do next or how you're hoping to you know, continue to to cultivate your, your skills as a journalist?
1: Yeah, um, well, while East hasn't necessarily given me the foundation in journalism, it's definitely given me, um, just broadened my perspectives and my horizons on what journalism can be. You know, I'm on the yearbook staff. Um, which is a different kind of journalism. Now I'm on Tower TV, which is our school broadcast TV show, which has also given me a great way to, a different medium to tell stories. And so now I know that there are there are options out there and what a, a career or a future in journalism for me could look like. Um, Right now, I am really interested in print journalism um, just because, you know, it's it's a bit of a dying art form. And um, I really do think that there's a lot of value in the written word, getting the news out to people, getting stories out to people and how, um, you know, words and storytelling can connect people Um even in our digital age where everything is so easy to get immediately. Um, So, you know, in the future, I don't even know if I'm going to be a journalist, but I know that storytelling and being able to get people's stories heard and their voices heard is something that I always want to do, whether that is through print journalism or through broadcast or maybe not even a journalist, but, you know, I think that, where I am now has given me the foundation and the skills to be able to do those things wherever I go.
0: I I so agree with what you just said. I think that having uh, the ability to interrogate information and think critically about the different perspectives that are represented in any given situation uh, prepares you for a lot uh, a lot of things in life and and allows for you to kind of cultivate. As a deeper sense of connection to the community. If you're just joining the conversation you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. I'm your host Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair and today we are talking to Kajah Abba who is named Wisconsin's Journalist of the Year by the Wisconsin Journalism Education Association. She is a reporter at Simpson Street Free Press. She completed an internship with Cap Times and Madison Magazine. She has written for the East Side News and served as an editor for her high school's newspaper and literary magazine. You're a pretty accomplished young person um, who has used journalism as, as a platform to tell your story and the stories of the people around you. When I participated in Simpson Street Free Press way back in the day, one of the major emphasis of the the Simpson Street Free Press was to make sure that folks from communities that were not always at the table uh, got to participate in in telling their story. Um, that media consolidation and the idea that only a few people were really being you know elevated within the conversation by mass media. Um, was was a problem that we should confront proactively and engage young people in. How does your identity influence your work as a journalism and what does it mean for you to show up as the person you are in spaces that haven't frequently uh, had a lot of diversity? So this question is really
1: important to me because um, I think my identity has been one of the guiding Factors in what I do and the the stories that I choose to take on I mean even when I first started at Simpson Street, um, like I was saying earlier black history was one of um, My favorite things to cover. I wrote about the Birmingham Children's March. I wrote about Ida B. Wells, Huey P. Newton um, Countless leaders and events that I thought um, Needed to be highlighted and needed to be brought to the table and that were missing from um so many of our conversations about history, about the past. And, you know, growing through the program and, you know, in the world, I was realizing that through the stories that I was telling and through the people that I was encountering that there were far more perspectives that weren't being brought to the table that you know, as a journalist, then it's my responsibility to bring those stories to the table. And it's not necessarily about me being the face um, that people see, right? My work is behind the scenes and to to show people the faces that need to be seen. And, you know, I think that in journalism, there is a bit of a problem where... Um, the people who are telling stories don't necessarily know the people who the stories are about, which can end up with a loss of context. Um, and I, I, I also think that's where a lot of the bias in media comes from, um, that when you don't know the people that you're telling stories about, you end up making assumptions or conjecture, and that ends up tainting the objectivity of the journalism it, it in itself um, and there just needs to be a more concerted effort to know the people and to know the community um, and that's what I love about covering the East Side that that's where I grew up that's where I go to school that's the part of the city that I know the most um, and the people that are there are the people that have surrounded me for my entire life so you know there's a there's a place that needs to be filled in journalism um with people like me with people um with the identities and with the with the experience and with the knowledge to accurately and honestly cover um community issues um that need to be brought to the table. And I think that's, a, that's another thing, is that sometimes um, issues are overlooked because people aren't looking in the right places. And when you're experiencing those things in the community, you often know um, where the problem starts. Um, and so I don't think that, this is not necessarily to say that you can't do those things if you don't have ABC identity, but, um, it requires uh, a more concerted effort um, to have the the context for um, those conversations to happen. I don't Thank- know if that was like that,
0: <laughs> that was- Thank you so much for speaking to that, and I think it, there's a lot of complexity in talking about you know what it means to bring diversity to a space and then you know what your responsibility is for highlighting the voices of of other people who haven't been heard. The the last few years have been tumultuous in terms of our perception of the news. I think that you hear more and more folks turning away from the news, um, you know, talking about the impact that the news has on your mental health, talking about kind of the way things have been covered irresponsibly. We had a former president who was famous for the slogan fake news at a time when people are really critical of journalists and also at a time when people are getting more and more information digitally. There's a lot of conversation about what is misinformation and how does the news either promote misinformation or uh, provide space for for accuracy and per- precision within information. How do you determine uh, whether or not you're providing people with accurate information? Uh, how how far you're going to dive into any given issue? Uh, how do you how do you make sure that you're not part of of the problem of spreading misinformation.
1: Well, I think just to start off, I think that um, just being part of so many local publications, um, it's it's easier to know the people that you're talking about and easier to know the issues that you're speaking on. Um, You know, it's... You, you know, when you can go to someone um, and just ask a question to clarify things, um, it's a lot easier to to make sure that the information that you're putting on paper is is right than if you're, you know, a journalist on a national newspaper and it's getting kind of hard to, to follow the story. Um, so I just, I mean, I... I think about that a lot about where the, fu- the future of news is going and how, again, people, it's so easy to just look at a headline and keep on pushing it and not read and look into the news critically and what it's saying and who might be writing the story and um, if they're coming to the table with any sort of bias. Um, just because there's so much, right? And people don't have time to, to sit down and sift through everything and think through the nuances of every single story. And I think in that way, the news has been made inaccessible to people and people are losing trust um, with the people who, who are writing the news, who are giving you the news. Um, and I think that I think a journalist's first priority is to always tell the truth um, and to tell it right away, right? There's no delay, there's no um, There's no time to waste with the information that the public needs to know. Um, that's our job, is to make things known. And again, in, in the most honest way possible. And I think the only way to do that is Again, to know the people and to know all sides of the story, and when, when the news is so localized, um, like I've been doing for the past for the past years, it's, it's easy to create the relationships with people that you need to be able to do that. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I worry a lot, a lot about um, how we're going to get the, the public to trust. Journalist again um but you know all we can do is you know try our best and <laughs> i don't know i that's a great question but yeah i just think it requires a lot more pondering on my part which i've already been doing but <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think know. it i think it is one of those larger existential questions yeah. which is how do you decide how much of a story needs to be told? How do you decide what is important uh how do you discern what information is accurate or inaccurate especially in times when information is changing rapidly anybody who talked about the pandemic on a regular basis understood that you could go from week to week or month to month and have very different strategies approaches mitigation tools um although there were things that were salient throughout the pandemic Mm -hmm. as best practice that story wasn't necessarily easy to emphasize um, among kind of the ever-changing reality. You saw people distrust uh, journalism and and politicians during during the pandemic. You also saw people uh, have a, a distrust towards science, which was new. Yeah. Right. I think people, people, you know, questioning the credibility of certain media institutions. That's a normal part of, of our national dialogue. I think people questioning, you know, the the politics that that they exist within. Um, I think that's a, a very normal part of our dialogue. Mm-hmm. I, I think seeing people uh not be confident in medical science related to an illness yeah. uh, was a very new uh, kind of widespread reality. What what it what was that like for you and for folks at at Simpson Street? Because Simp- Simpson Street has a very academic approach yes. to. You know journalism and really mm-hmm. tells stories through a, a scientific lens with a great deal of intention as a way to educate young people about how to apply the scientific method within the context of journalism. What 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 was it like for you to see, uh, you know, what the different kinds of stories that were being told about the pandemic and and to have to decide for yourself and and your audience, mm-hmm. um how you would represent that.
1: Yeah, again, I think it's just there was so much information coming from so many different sides, and people were getting confused because different different stories were being told. Um, and it's hard, you know, again, when you aren't the scientist, when you don't know the scientist, to discern what is right and what is wrong. Um, you know, at Simpson Street, we aren't a very news-based um, paper um a lot of um we do local news sometimes which is done by older writers teen editors but a lot of our younger students are you know writing from uh, writing from journals or writing from newspaper articles and things like that um and I, I I mean I have to agree that we are very based in in science and when students have more complex articles that di- that dive deep into um I don't know. Like, there are some crazy ones that, <laughs>
0: that I've been working with students. And I'm like, do you know what this means? <laughs> and um, yeah, being I mean, able to i I've, re- I've, I've read articles about everything from dinosaurs to salt yep. um, from yep. you all. I'm yep. like, you all get into the the nuts and bolts of, of you know, mm-hmm. the, the stars in our our reality from a scientific understanding. Yes, and so a lot of that is...
1: Um, when working with younger students, walking them through what um what things mean, what are these processes? What implications does this have um for us, or maybe did they have in the past? And I think that's what um, more than what we actually reported um, is that we were teaching our young people, our 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 students. Um, to be able to think critically about what the science is telling them and what that means for them, for their families, for their communities, and for the world. Um, so again, um, you know, during the during the pandem- <laughs> during the pandemic, there was lots of information coming from all sides, and I think that most of all, we've just prepared um, our students to. To, to be critical thinkers in the face of science and um, to be able to 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 weed through the misinformation that was coming out at the time
0: oh, that's you know something you've got to be very grateful for for in terms of you know the role that Simpson Street Free Press plays in our community and empowering young people to think for themselves and also to be able to tell the difference between accurate and inaccurate information, even as information shows, and even, you know, when confronted with an incredible abundance of information. Florida's legislature recently passed a bill that banned uh, young women from talking about menstruation at school. Um, They banned human growth and development before the age of 12. Um, There's a huge conversation happening nationally and across the state of Wisconsin about censorship and what books young people should and should not read. As a journalist, how does censorship play a role in the stories that you tell, in the stories that you think are developmentally appropriate for someone your age or younger to tell? Well again going back to what a
1: journalist does is is tell the truth. Um and that more than anything to me is you know the most important about our about, about our work. Um so hearing about censorship and things like that it's just it's an obvious you know, infringement on what, on what we do, you know, our, um, the, and the, and the stories that we tell, and the stories that are most important, and this is, again, just one of the ways that journalism is slowly fizzing out, is what we can and cannot say, um, in, in the face of of the government and what what the government thinks that we should and should not say and just gosh
0: it's, have people ever been mad at you about something you've written have people ever criticized you or said hey you went you went too far I had one article that I wrote for Simpson Street free Press where I got I got a couple of letters and people were like we do not agree with this <laughs> we don't care if you're a kid you shouldn't be out here say, saying what you're saying I not exactly um
1: I think there are some that I might have um, I think there are some that I might've touched people with, but not in a, not in a way that was inflammatory. Um, but you know, with anything, there are gonna be people that that don't agree. Or in the, this is, I think a lot about this now that I'm a senior, but um, when I was a freshman, um, I wanted to do an investigative piece on school violence and school fights um, and, you know, the source of the problem and things <laughs> and things like that as a freshman. And um, I worked with Ms. Van Buren, and we did an open records request to the district and an open records request to MPD to look for the data and, um, you know, kind of siphon out where who we could talk to and you know just weave together a story about um you know because it was an important thing at the time um still is um about things that we were all experiencing as students um and I remember she told me that like the next day the principal was waiting at her door to tell her you know I don't know if we do you should let her do the story you know East doesn't get a that great of a rep in the media i don't know if this is gonna things like that and um she still brings it up (laughs) that oh you scared the principal um, with your story um the story never ended up happening because um i never got the mmsd record request (laughs) and (laughs) because (laughs) of the pandemic but um you know it's it's stories like that that should be told, right? The ones that scare the, the administrators, the people in power about what is getting out. Um, and I think that's what the censorship is about. They don't want certain stories being told. They don't want certain narratives going out into the world about what the people are experiencing. And again, it is our job. It is our job as journalists to make sure that those are not censored and um, our platforms write newspapers we have the freedom of the press um, that we have the platforms to be able to do that without censorship um, so you know I don't
0: I want to push back a little bit on what you're saying, okay. not because I don't agree that you should do stories that make people, you know, nervous about how they're going to be portrayed or seen. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also responsibility when you're talking about violence and you're talking about violence in an urban district. East High School is one of the yes. most diverse districts in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Madison has so little violence, you know, it's got about an average of seven homicides a year. Mm-hmm. that you see journalists be excited to share a a snapchat video of a conflict between children at school Mm -hmm. and there are racialized consequences um for the idea that you're going to portray diverse schools as as violent or in need of police intervention Mm -hmm. um and that that you know maybe there are some people who who want to stop that story but there's also a lot of people who i think want to want to tell that story that's a story that has been told and is told frequently about Mm -hmm. schools yes so what is what is the the balancing act or the responsibility of a journalist to acknowledge uh, when when a story sells well, when a story you know caters to a specific narrative or right. stereotype mm-hmm. about a specific group of people, particularly you know young young people of color?
1: Yeah, and that was one thing that I really wanted to um, highlight um, in my story was the complexities of these things that. Um, the media, and even students at school are so quick to um, to to paint um, those instances as, oh, those kids are just they just got some things going on. They're they're messy, they're ghetto, they are X, Y and Z. Um, and the news definitely feeds into that. I mean, I remember last year, just article after article after news piece on the TV was just about the violence at East. And not in a way that was respectful to the students, respectful to their experiences, respectful to any to the reasons why they might have been fighting. None of those things were um, were made apparent in their stories, right? It's just about some kids fighting, Um, again, at East High School, which is just the thing that they do at East High School. Um, And when I walked in there as a freshman, and I was, you know, seeing these fights, I was really just most curious about, you know, why is it the same kids, you know, and what... Might their experiences be um, that make these instances so common, right? And and paying respect to their experiences without necessarily painting East as just the violent school, right? And bringing those those complexities to into the story, um, and that was something that I brought up directly to 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 Miss Van Buren that I want to talk about why um why this topic is so racialized. Right? And and what
0: do you what- think that there's a reason why our community would rather talk about black students being violent in our high schools um, than, you know, sexual violence on our college campus. Right. We have we have, you know, hundreds of sexual assaults that are reported every year on campus. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't see that being like UW is a particularly dangerous place, or UW mm-hmm. is crime-ridden, or UW is unsafe right. Right, for young people. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why do you think that we are more interested in kind of talking about you know, school fights at the high school level than sexual violence at the college level?
1: I think because um, you know, it's so much easier to, to, to divert blame. When it comes to the um, the school fights, right? Like it's just those kids, right? And it it denies the the responsibility that the schools might have in creating an environment, or you know, it completely ignoring the experience of those students or any any possible signs that a student might be struggling, mm. right? And the school district's responsibility in those, in letting those things fester and manifest inside their school buildings. It's so much easier to just say, it's just those kids, right, over and over and over again without recognizing the the patterns.
0: Mm.
1: And while at university, it's those things that are covered up that why is this happening so commonly on our school campus that it's so much easier to just you know ignore the fact that there's a culture mm. of those things happening on campus and to again divert blame from mm. the institution and to ignore right it's it's easier to ignore the sexual violence that happens on campus because of a multitude of reasons why is it so hard for survivors to come out and tell their stories why why isn't there so much of a, of a response from the leaders on campus, from the administrators on campus, while in school fights, it's always the principal or the superintendent to say the first thing about those about those things because they're so apparent and because people see them. And so I just think, I mean, and it's again, the whole, it's so easy to racialize that as well that. These are just some black kids fighting. Why should we care so much about why they're fighting or why it happens so much or what is happening to these students that make them so inclined to fight at school rather than to question why sexual violence is so common because, again, there are there are things in place to make sure that these things almost
0: never get out. Mm -hmm. Do you think we as a society are more comfortable associating certain groups of people with crime than other groups of people, and that it may be easier for us to associate young people of color in our high schools with criminal activity and violence than young people at our university, um, given the difference in demographics between who attends our high schools and who attends our universities? Definitely how does that factor in when you're telling a story
1: so when telling a story i'm not i'm not i don't try to concern myself with issues of reputation or things like that or how what i'm saying is going to to reflect back on um the institutions that i'm criticizing that's 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 not my job um that's the PR people's job Um, and again and I will reiterate this again and again and again but knowing the people who are involved and knowing their stories and listening just genuinely listening to them that's one of my favorite things about being a journalist is just being able to listen to people and to learn from them and make sure that their stories have their their proper part in the narrative. Because, again, without knowing the people, without knowing the communities, without knowing what is happening, you, you leave space for assumptions and conjecture and guesses and estimates where there shouldn't be. And just... I don't...
0: Kaj- Kajaha, <laughs> I want to ask you, you know, I've heard it said that journalists don't want the story to become about them. If you're mm-hmm. just joining us, you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair. Today, we are joined by Kajaha, who is, you know, the journalist of the year. Um, and so usually journalists are, are prompted to tell other people's stories. and And right now there's a lot of people who are telling your story. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there are questions people are missing? Do you think that there are things uh, in this kind of, you've gotten to do a little bit of a round of interviews. Mm-hmm. What are some important things you wish people were asking you about?
1: Well, I think the question about identity was um, was a really great one because um, it has played such a big part in the work that I do and and why I do it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it, I feel like it's been like the same questions over and over again. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: um, I was- so what are what are people missing about you in those questions? Because I think, you know, there's a certain presumption of how we talk to young people about about the way we want young people to kind of fit into like this neat package mm-hmm. of, you know, good student and um, hardworking and kind of those labels becoming. You know what? What we see when we when we look at a young person as accomplished as yourself, mm-hmm. um, are are people missing kind of the depth of of who you are? Are there things that you think are really important about your identity that nobody's given you the chance to talk about? I
1: I think that. Um, in terms of uh, talking talking about my identity and how it impacts my work, I, you know, I tend to kind of I, I let my identity speak for itself in in my work. Um, you know, if someone were to ask me specifically what is it like to be a black African Muslim girl living in Madison, I don't think I would know how to answer Um, and this was one of the things that I had to include in my portfolio was um, uh, a category or a a section about my commitment to diversity and I didn't necessarily, at at first I had a hard time figuring out how to, to answer because I thought that my commitment to diversity was kind of, you know, Apparent throughout the work <laughs> that I did and the stories that I was covering. And I think that just most of all, um, my, my identity has is mostly about me carving out a space in, in, in my work and carving out a space for, again, not just myself because I'm not the face, um, but carving out a space for other people and making platforms building platforms for other people and i think that coming from me um that's that's really significant because i'm glad that i can do that for other people um especially um because you know i really i mean i'm glad that i had those those platforms for myself so now i've kind of now I have the tools to be able to do those things for other people, and um, you know, knowing who I am, I know that there are other people who, who should have the the opportunities to 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 tell their own stories.
0: Do you have mentors in you know journalism in media that have helped you to shape and cultivate? the kinds of questions you ask, the kinds of things you're interested in exploring, and maybe how you map out your trajectory in, in journalism. You are a senior. Um, are you planning to kind of go go to college? Are you planning to, to work a little bit? What does it look like for you in kind of the near future? And who are the people who have influenced you uh, in mapping out what you do next? So
1: um, to answer that last question first, um, you know, Starting out so young at Simpson Street, um, I was surrounded by so many older, um, so many older students who, even now, it's kind of hard for me to believe that I'm in the same place that they were then, um, that have kind of, like, shown me a way, um, of how I can take, where I can take journalism, or if it's not journalism, where else, um, that, um, you know, that worked with me personally on a lot of my stories. Um, and again, just like open doors or rather windows to where I could see myself in the future. And so I owe a lot to to them, um, the teen editors and a lot of the editors um, who were, you know, black women, women of color, um, and, you know, I kind of, you know, saw myself doing what they do. Um, so I owe a lot to them. And you know, you know, for the future, um, I, I am planning on going to college next year. I don't know where. Um <laughs> but I do <laughs> anybody's gonna be very lucky to have you. <laughs> I do um plan on hopefully majoring in journalism or English or something in that. In that realm, um, but again, I'm kind of open. I know that I have this foundation in journalism, but you know where that takes me—whether I do become a journalist or um, something else—I just hope that I can continue telling people's stories and giving people platforms to to tell their own.
0: Do you think about your own reputation as a journalist and what it means for people to know that you're covering them? Um, I think locally, because Madison is a smaller community, there are journalists who are known for kind of uplifting folks and celebrating, you know, people's contribution to the community. There's also journalists who are known for being highly critical of folks who are particularly in a position of power Uh, Mm. and, and people know depending on who, who shows up on their caller ID, uh, what kind of article is, is going to be written about them or about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Do you want people to, to see your name pop up and think this is the kind of story that, that you're going to tell? And, and if so, what kind of story is that? Um, I think one
1: thing that I'm really glad about is just the diversity of work, the variety of work that I've been able to do because I've been able to do both sides of, of that spectrum of more feature pieces, you know, going to meet business owners, tell me about your your business, tell me about your club, tell me about your organization, tell me about you. What do you do? I'm here to 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 highlight you and your story. Um as well as stories where um you know, what is going on behind the scenes, what is what are we not seeing? Um is there something that people are trying to hide? Um and getting that truth out to the community um you know what i'm and i'm open to either
0: i <laughs> do, you, do you prefer kind of to to feature people highlight people do you prefer more in- investigative or research driven kind of material or do you hope that you can kind of you know cover like cover you know a, a variety of things as a reporter long term
1: yeah yeah i i really do um i don't want to you know I don't want to box myself into one or the other um, because I've enjoyed writing about, you know, writing both kinds of articles. And um, I think just that variety also kind of just keeps me sharp and on my toes about like <laughs> what, what to include in certain stories, what not to include um, and what is most important to the kind of um, story that I'm writing or, or that I'm telling. And so, you know, I, I, I hope that I don't lose either. I, I, I hope that I can get my experience in both and even combining them where where I can.
0: Do you have a dream publication? Do you hope one day that you're working for, you know, The Atlantic or New York Times? Or do you, do you see yourself, you know, a, in local media in Wisconsin? Um, what, if this all works out, you get exactly what you want. Uh, is there a little bit of a, a fantasy of what that looks like, or who who you'd really see yourself loving to be part of their team as a journalist?
1: And that's kind of my problem because not really. <laughs> I I see myself kind of floating around and just doing what I do where I can I like that you um, see
0: yourself just doing what you want to do, <laughs> <laughs>
1: just do yeah I mean I think that um, have you thought about starting a paper oh like definitely yeah okay. and I, that's a really exciting um possibility for me um just because these past few years I've been looking a lot into um you know independent black publications from like the 20th century, that's been something that I've been, like, immersing myself in and being nerdy about. And I just have loved seeing all the ways that, um, you know, black people throughout the ages, throughout the world have communicated with each other through writing and print media. And, you know, I know that You know, that's a niche or like a culture that was specific to those times. But, um, you know, being able to, you know, create something like that um, for people to to find themselves in, um, which is something that I had a lot of fun and I still have a lot of fun doing when I'm researching these papers. Um, So I'm really excited about you know, what a publication that I start might look like or what it might do, what purpose does it serve for wherever I am at, the t- at that time in my life.
0: Recently, there's been a, a lot of talk about the Me Too movement and the impact the Me Too movement has had on, on our culture and what it means for young people. I recently saw the film, She Said, which really looked at the two journalists who who broke that story um, most recently and most impactfully. Uh, and within that story is the story of a lot of other journalists who tried to tell that story mm-hmm. um, and and hadn't we hadn't reached that kind of watershed moment of being able to have that conversation as a community do you think about the stories that you will tell um, that people aren't ready for and how long and how often um, you have to tell certain stories in order for our, our society to acknowledge accept and respond to them
1: yeah so I think you know again like it all starts with one person Right. And those that story wouldn't those stories wouldn't have come out if it weren't for the work of past journalists trying to get the story out. And um, it's all about, you know, what gets people to listen. And that's often a a kind of frustrating um, part of being a journalist is that you can't make people listen. You can't make people read your work. You can't make people care. Right. Because, again, that's 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 not our job. It's just to to get the information out to people when when it needs to be. And. I just I think that, you know, everything everything has to start somewhere and. You know, it's just it just it takes courage to be that person to to start to start the movement or to start the or to get people to start questioning the things that they need to be questioning.
0: Early on in this episode, you said the job of a journalist is to tell the truth. Um, There's another way to think about that within the context of the Me Too movement, which is journalists decide who will and who will not be believed, Mm -hmm. who will and who will not be listened to. Mm -hmm. Um, when, When you're deciding whether or not you're going to believe somebody, whether or not you're gonna tell the story of what happened to them, um, how how do you factor in you know what what you believe how do your beliefs impact uh, your ability to to tell the story of what's happened to other people
1: mm-hmm. yeah so I mean that's not something that I've encountered yet um in my career as a journalist but um I think that when you say like my beliefs like what do you like, what do you mean, my beliefs?
0: I mean, I think we all have a, a sense of who we're supposed to listen to and mm-hmm. who's the authority on certain mm-hmm. information and when we ask questions and when we don't. And so when you're talking about something like the Me Too movement, in order for for the Me Too movement to really uh, become a transformative movement, people had to start believing and listening to young women. Yeah. You are a, a young person. Um, I guess I, I'm curious, like, you know who who do you who do you think we should be listening to that we haven't been listening to we've got like a minute left so it's a complicated <laughs> okay. question for the
1: end of the hour um i think that there are plenty of people who have been pushed out and excluded from um from spaces and you know not just in the me too movement but in countless issues have been excluded from conversations that ultimately have um impacted them that oh my god that have impacted them um on a greater on a greater level on a greater scale than um, than we've been hearing and those are the 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 stories that have been um, erased and that have been pushed out and it's our job again to pull those people back into the light and where um, their stories could, have could hold the weight that they do um in in our world and in our lives and deciding for them for those people for those people for those people to be able to decide um what
0: the place that their story deserves Mm. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for giving so much of your youth to journalism here in Wisconsin. Shout out to Simpson Street Free Press. Shout out to you, Kajaha. Thank you for joining us on WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair. All right. Thank you.